Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose where you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits who are working to make a difference in their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. I will have uh, chopped out everything before this point, but uh, we were just going on a lengthy discussion. It wasn't that lengthy. Uh, in which Anita had uh, suggested that we call some of the board games that are surrounding us. And I'm I'm giving her my confused and troubled look. <laughs> I'm like, how, how, why would you suggest such a thing? Because we have a bunch of games that we don't play. Well, we try to play them, and I, admittedly, it's been hard to play board games over the past couple of years because of the children. I know. And because of the COVID. And in the last couple of months, because of the COVID, I know. But I mean, our our long game here has always been to teach the kids to play board games when they're old enough and have people to play board games with living with us. Yeah, someday. That's basically the reason we had kids, is, <laughs> is what I am currently oh, no, I thought that was revealing. the reason we had friends. I mean, the friends are also there for board games, but they don't live in our house. We can't just play board games with them whenever. We have to organize something. With the kids, we can just pull out a board game. Oh. Murphy's Law will dictate, though, that our children will not be into board games. Impossible. Because of rebellious teenage natures. Oh, but that's when they're someday. teenagers. That's that's down the road. <laughs> we got we got like 10 years. We've got a window before then where we will have built-in board gamers in our house, and that was basically the whole plan all along. <laughs> a perfect plan. One might even say for children. For children. Which I'm going to call the perfect segue. <laughs> Another back, smooth Scott segue. Back into our novel. Uh, So a quick recap of chapter 25 in which Beth uh, takes a little trip to a swanky house on Delray Beach. Much swank, very house. Meets up with Flora to uh, have a little in-person chat and has some, some of the beans spilled. So there is more story. There may or may not have been lies. Probably not. Based on what we glean in this chapter, yeah. I'm going to say that Flora was being... Based on the end of chapter 26... Was I, being pretty straight with yeah, it. Yeah, I think that chapter 25 was full of honesty, but that I only know that in retrospect. Yeah, and then, wouldn't you know it, Lewis shows up behind Beth threateningly, and that was the cliffhanger that led us into chapter 26 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. Mm-hmm. So Lewis has a gun. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I said it on microphone when we finished the last chapter that I figured it was either going to be a gun or a knife or some manner of weapon. 
And I was right. It was a gun. Yeah, we we had kind of... I think maybe you assumed there was a gun. We joked around that he might have a gun, but we didn't know for certain. Literally, the first line in this chapter is, Lewis has a gun. (laughs) Oh, there it is. And I'm worried that people might have read that as we actually had peeked ahead at the next chapter. We We had not. We did not. Legitimately, we were just like, well, probably he has a gun or something. And then sure enough, instantly he's got a gun. Right. Well, you don't. You don't have a threatening line behind somebody without some manner of weapon. (laughs) A gun seems like the most obvious. Yeah, one does not usually make threats unless one can back those threats up. And if you're living in the United States, probably you got yourself a gun. Yeah, probably. That's Florida man has gun. Okay, well, that's (laughs) maybe that's a little stereotypical. We are Canadians, perhaps making a, a stereotype about our American neighbors. That is unfair. That's true. It's so, true, I'm uh, sorry. You that, can cut that out if you like. I'm not going to, but I'm going to just add the caveat that that might be unfair, and, and I apologize. Lewis says that he has someone, quote-unquote, at the Marriott who is keeping an eye on Beth, which is like, really? He just likes to throw around the dollar-dollar bills. I guess. He just has, like, a secret army of people. I don't think that that's necessarily true. My guess is that... a big army. My guess is that he probably slipped someone like a $100 bill to watch out for her before he left or after he got there. And that's the person he had at the Marriott. Yeah, okay. That would be my guess. Probably the concierge. Concierge! Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Like, let me know uh, if slash when this woman leaves. It's always the concierge. Hey, for a hundred bucks to snitch on somebody? Easy hundred bucks. He's actually even a little surprised Beth didn't guess she was being watched. Considering how paranoid she was being about a bunch of other stuff. Right? Yeah. I'm surprised that Beth didn't think she was being watched. Yeah. Beth does try to rationalize the gun away for a moment. Like, no, he, like, he's not serious. Like, this this can't be a real gun, right? But realizes, even if it's not, the safest play in this moment is to presume it is a real gun. Yeah. The fact that that even crossed Beth's mind surprises me. I think it's just incredulity. Like... Lewis is someone she went on vacations with. Lewis is someone who, up until the last three weeks, she considered an old friend. Yeah. The fact that he's now standing there waving a gun in her face, like, I can imagine someone, even someone I haven't seen in a long time, but who I know, if they showed up and held a gun in my face, I would be surprised. I would... <laughs> Mind boggled, right? I would legitimately be like, this This can't be a thing that's happening, right? What is What is going on? Especially not someone who I perceived as an enemy. At least until recently. At least until recently. Anyway, carrying on. Beth surmises correctly that Flora saw him arrive, and Lewis confirms, yeah, she saw me coming through the window, but he says, like, Flora didn't alert her because she laid down and gave up at that moment. Like she she always does, as Lewis will go on and on about throughout this chapter. Just twist the knife, dude. Yeah, he's... um, A horrible monster? He... He goads and needles and pushes throughout this chapter to the point where I'm actually wondering if Lewis was trying to get a rise. Like, and this is maybe at the risk of getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but he does successfully push Flora to the breaking point. And he does it so effectively that I'm legitimately curious if that was his goal. Like, he knows this is the end. Let's see how far he can actually make her go. I don't know that he knows that this is the end, though. Well, he's brought a gun. I sincerely believe that he does truly intend to kill Beth 
no matter what. Oh, no, he certainly makes that very clear. Uh, he says to Beth that Flora knows when to give up. My wife is good that way, confirming, yes, the Jeanette Cater thing is a smokescreen. They are still married. They never divorced. But Beth, unlike Flora, not really good at knowing when it's time to just walk away. We've had an entire book of Beth not knowing when to walk away. Yeah, and that is why clearly the only solution at this juncture is to murder her, because it is the only way that they can yeah. get her off their path. Yep, the only way to shut Beth down. Beth is like, you can't do that. And like her her rationalization in her brain is like, I have I have kids and a family. Like, how could you even consider this? Okay, there's a little bit to unpack there. She's thinking, he can't do this because I have reasons to live. Also, you know, it's illegal to kill someone. Lewis is not so concerned with consequences. No, because he's rich enough that he's been able to skate by without any consequences for a very long time. Yes. He also gets kind of philosophical about this and is like, you know, Beth, it's kind of a shame that I have to murder you because the truth is I really admire your dogged persistence. And that doesn't surprise me in the least because we have mentioned a couple times that personality-wise, Beth and Lewis line up pretty good. Yeah. They're both go-getters who don't take no for an answer and like to get what they want. Yes. Beth isn't a sociopath, though? No, she is not. That's where they... That's where they differ. Yeah. That's where they diverge. Uh, Lewis, Lewis even says, like, the only reason that I wouldn't have ever considered marrying you is simply because you're just not look good looking enough. As though Beth had no say in the matter whatsoever. Indeed. Uh, well, and more than <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe Beth doesn't want you, Lewis. Further underscores how superficial Lewis is. Oh, absolutely. Because he is. Uh, he is obsessed with image. He's obsessed with how everything looks on the outside. Like, freakishly obsessed. Yeah. Flora tries to object to all this. Lewis belittles her, as he will continue to do through the chapter. Ugh. And then is like, you know what, Flora, why don't you just finally tell Beth everything? And Flora's like, well, what's the point at this juncture? And Beth is tongue-tied in that moment with terror. And so Lewis just kind of fills in for her. And he's like, listen, Beth needs to know. That's what this has all been about. So let's at least give her the satisfaction of the answers she's looking for before she dies. <laughs> The supervillain gets his monologue. But he's not planning to monologue at all. He wants Flora to tell the whole story. Beth objects and is like, no, Lewis, I'm not here because I want to know what's going on. I'm here because I want to help Flora and the children. And Lewis is like, yeah, you keep telling yourself that, I'm sure. But it's not what it's about. It's about you wanting to make sense of what you saw that day on Whittier Lane. And yeah, sure, helping everybody would be a nice little side effect to it, but it's your intellectual curiosity. It's your need to know what's going on that has been driving you this whole time. And I think he's kind of hitting close to home there. We talked about this, I don't know how many chapters ago. Yeah. When, when we discussed how it wasn't so much the safety of the children as it was her obsession with the scenario and needing to figure it out somewhere along the line. Yes, it became about the children. Yeah. I think that that might be where Lewis is a little wrong in that. I don't think that at this juncture, helping Flora and the kids is the side effect. I think it is actually the motivation. I think it is switched to being the motivation, but for sure that was her motivation to begin with. She oh. just wanted to know what was going on. hundred percent. Yeah. He tells Beth, you know, I've been saying for years, especially to Flora here, that when you can't change your circumstances in life, you can change your thoughts about your circumstances. Look on the bright side. 
try to find that silver lining. And the silver lining here is that you get the whole story before the end. When Flora continues to hesitate, he's like, listen, Flora, all you're doing is hastening Beth's death here. You tell her the story or I just shoot her dead right now. So you can buy her a couple minutes. Maybe she'll try to figure out a way out of her predicament. He says, waving a gun around. Flora hesitates again, though. But Lewis really wants the story to come out real oh, yeah. bad. Because Lewis needs to showboat. This is his grand supervillain moment. And yeah, he's going to make it about Flora and Beth, but it's not. Yeah. It's all about him and how amazing he is and how evil he's been and etc, etc. Oh no, he doesn't talk about how evil he's been. No, he doesn't talk about it, but that's what the story's about. I actually made a note of this a little a little later on, but yeah, he, he can't help himself here. He wants to gloat to someone. And this is spilling out like someone who's wanted to gloat about what's going on to someone for years and now finally has the chance and is almost just giddy at the opportunity. And the fact that this is something he wants to gloat about bothers me on such a deep level. Well, here's the first thing that's going to bother you on such a deep level. The first thing he gloats about is murdering Georgina. Yeah. Uh, that's actually the thing that he does to try to goad Flora into finally talking about this. And apparently it's something he's never actually done before. Said it out loud? Yeah, it's the first time he's legitimately just mm -hmm. been like, no, I, to I totes killed that baby. Flora almost reacts to that. She tries to tamp it down. And Lewis then amuses himself by needling her about it, which again makes me feel like he's deliberately trying to get a rise out of her. Yeah, he's he trying totally to see. Is. He's deliberately trying to push her as far as he can in this moment. What good is a torture play thing if you don't get to torture them? Flora fills in a little bit at this juncture. She says Lewis told her there had to be a price for what she did, and that price was going to be that she was going to lose everything, basically. And then Lewis goes on about how magnanimous he was by not mm. telling everyone that it was negligent homicide, that telling her parents and the police, everyone, that it was just crib death. Beth is like, hold on a sec, you just admitted to murdering her. And Lewis is like, yeah, duh, but I could have pinned it all on Flora. No one was going to disbelieve me, the man with money. <laughs> but I didn't. Aren't I the good guy? Exactly. I'm not a monster, Beth. I hate him so much. He says Beth also has this all wrong because the crime wasn't smothering Georgina to death. It was having her in the first place. If she hadn't been born, she wouldn't have had to have been murdered. Ergo, the fault lies with Flora. I can't even with this guy. And, I mean, not only did she trick him when she got pregnant. Yes. She couldn't even then be bothered to have a perfect little girl. I can't. Lewis says he was very considerate giving her a chance to start over while he and the kids got to be free of her and Georgina. And that really, at this juncture, he sees his only mistake as being that he was too soft-hearted about everything. I legitimately had to remind myself earlier that this is a fictional character that does not exist. Yes. Because the... He is not real people, and the crimes that he has committed have not been against real people. The, the concept of how just inhuman he is... If I am how monstrous I I can't if, I can't if I am reading my kind of synopsis of of Lewis here in a flippant manner it's because of how thoroughly wrong and idiotic he is I am not making fun of the scenario which is horrific and monstrous I'm making fun of Lewis Braid he is the worst uh and I'm making fun of his words is what I am doing to underscore how ridiculous and insane they are. 
I just I don't want to give you or our listeners the wrong idea. I say I feel like you're explaining this because you know how upset this whole concept makes me. It does, and I'm I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm trying to not. make light of Lewis Braid. Flora speaks up. Flora speaks up when he suggests how soft-hearted he is, and she's like, uh, "No, you're not soft-hearted. You're a vindictive brute." And he's like, "Whoa, hey now." She asks, what are you going to do? Stop me from talking? You can't kill me because that would deprive you of me and your little playhouse at Whittier Lane. And the only thing you love and have ever loved is the little game you play with us at Whittier Lane. From across an ocean. What a terrible person. Lewis says, you know what, Flora, you're not objective about this situation. I think we need to let Beth here, who's a real smart cookie, be the real judge of the situation. And you know what? I'm glad that you're speaking your mind finally. It's time for you to let out all that repressed emotion. And then he actually pulls out his phone to record it for posterity, which does not surprise me because he was already recording those daily responses. So clearly he is getting off on having recordings of Flora's misery. How broken is Lewis Braid? Incredibly. So broken. Flora says first off she was moved to Scotland. And then she was moved back to Whittier Lane, and she was horrified that she got moved back there. And it was all to keep her under his thumb and to keep her miserable. The daily responses were part of that. And Flora says, he threatened basically to kill someone else that I loved. And Lewis says, uh, correction, I never stated such a threat. And Flora replies, you made it very clear you didn't have to state anything outright. She then says he's basically incapable of love. And Beth is actually surprised that Lewis looks legit taken aback by that. That Flora's actually standing up for herself? Or the statement she made? The statement she made is the certainly the impression I get. Lewis seems insulted by it. Nonsense. I love myself a lot. No, he, he actually counters with, like, I did love someone. I loved the family that you took away from me. Flora says, you know what? You may have once loved me and the kids, but you don't anymore. You don't love anything except for torturing me. That's that you are addicted to that. That is the only thing that you get off on. It's the only thing you live for. And I know that because if it wasn't, you would have let it go a long time ago. This would have ended at some point. Yep. Beth mentions Kevin and Yanina at this point, and we are finally confirmed, yes, they do work for Lewis Braid. And yes, they are boyfriend and girlfriend. Yes. And he pays them very well to mind his property. And when I say his property, I mean both the house and his wife and his children, and not ask any questions. Which makes me wonder just how many scruples these people have. Probably not many. Flora says they are actually in the dark about some of what's going on, but they're getting paid very well and don't want to rock the boat. So they just kind of pretend not to notice things and keep their mouths shut. Yep. She all but outright states at this juncture, and it is confirmed later on that Lewis's regular visits are sexual assault. Yeah, that was hard to read. Yeah. Uh, and then screams at Lewis that she wishes she was dead and that he was dead and that everyone was dead. Yeah. Lewis ignores that outburst and says to Beth, like, listen to poor Flora. She is not in her right mind and she needs all the help she can get with Thomas and Emily 2.0 because she is just a hot mess. And no one was going to believe that she was the cater nanny. So she got to play mommy again. And that was because of my generosity. 
And Yanina pretends to be the nanny because she's an immigrant anyway. And everybody believes that that's going to be the case. Yeah, she's got an accent. So clearly that makes her the nanny. So not only is he a rapist and a torturer and a murderer, a sadist and a murderer, he's also racist. You know, it's certainly implied a little bit. Beth actually follows up on your question from before. Are Kevin and Yanina monsters? And Lewis is like, Beth, you've never had a life-changing amount of money, have you? Because you can let a lot slide when you have a life-changing amount of money. They do, and they know not to rock the boat. Then he adds, you know, truth be told, Flora could have spilled the beans about what's going on to them at any time. She could have walked out the door and gone to the police with the kids yesterday if she wanted. But she doesn't. Why? Because... She knows she deserves this. No, that's not how it works. She is a victim of trauma. Yeah. Well, and she says that she's afraid that he would kill Thomas and Emily. Yeah. Either Thomas and Emily. Anybody. Or her parents. And even though he never stated it outright, that was always the lingering threat. And that's why she always held her tongue. Yeah. He killed once without remorse. He could do it again. He he killed his own infant daughter once without remorse. Yes. Monster. Beth confirms the second set of kids are his, and Lewis is like, yeah, no, duh. Are you not paying attention to my monstrous evil plan? Beth then asks why the kids are named Thomas and Emily, and Lewis actually asks for clarification, which kids are you talking about? <laughs> Ugh. He says that was his idea, actually. He decided that it would be very generous of him. If he allowed Flora to have a little bit of the life that she lost back him a little bit from time to time, and then a new Thomas and then a new Emily. And hey, maybe if she's a good girl sometime soon, a new Georgina. So I was kind of right. Flora is being forced to get it right yep. in quotes. Flora Ugh. throws this back in Lewis's face saying... That, you know, you keep telling me how lucky I am, but I'm not lucky. I'm very unlucky. And Lewis is like, eh, well, you're certainly not as lucky as you could have been. You're the one who decided to become a recluse. You could have made friends. You could have a support network. You're the one who hides in the house all day and is afraid to talk to anybody. Flora says, I'm not going to let you touch me again. I, could, I couldn't even get pregnant again. I'm in my, my 40s. And he's like, "Me, you're fit and healthy. It'll happen. We'll make sure it happens. This is the juncture where Lewis and Flora are fighting and are focused on one another. And Lewis has lost track of the plot and is no longer holding Beth at gunpoint. Yeah. And Beth has in the back of her mind clarity that she could probably make it to the door if she ran in that moment. Yes. But, but she doesn't want to leave Flora. No. So she calls Lewis to his face a rapist and a murderer, which yeah. draws attention back to her. Flora asks Lewis, okay, well, let's say you ha we do have another Georgina. What's the next box on your list of things to torture Flora with? What happens after that? Lewis, at this juncture, is actually kind of put on the back foot. And I think it's because he's getting such a rise out of Flora. And he's like, why are you've got a lot of nerve to talk back to me today. And that's when he realizes it's because Beth is there as moral support. Yeah. I wonder if part of it is... Flora trying to protect Beth and how much of it is Flora realizing that she's not alone anymore. It could be a little bit of all of the above. I think Flora initially at the beginning of this chapter had, as Lewis put it, rolled over. She knew oh, the, gig, yeah. the, the jig was up. Lewis was there with a gun. Beth was probably going to die. 
and there was nothing she could do about it. But as Lewis has been sitting here gloating and confirming all of the things that she believed to be true, she's getting more and more angry. And Beth is there as a pillar of moral support. And Flora finally has him outnumbered in a way. Well, yeah. In a, in they a are sig- there two to one. Yeah, in a significant way. And she's also, I think, for the first time realizing she has nothing more to lose. Yeah, it's true. When you hit rock bottom, you have nowhere to go but up. And she finally just snaps. She has enough of it. Lewis pushes her buttons enough in this moment that she breaks. Yeah. And And the floodgates come open. Part of me is like, yeah, good for her. And another part of me breaks in half for this poor tortured woman. Lewis also realizes, I think, the danger he's in in this moment and kind of makes a move that Beth reads as he's going to kill us both now. Mm -hmm. And that's when Beth decides to basically ask the last question that there is to to ask in, in an effort to forestall the inevitable for another moment. And she's like, why did you pull Thomas out of school? And that's, that's the shoe drop. That's news to Lewis. That's news to everybody. Flora and Lewis are both like, what are you talking about? That's when I was like, oh, Yanina and Kevin went rogue. Yeah, that's, I wrote it down. I was like, oh my God, they... They did the right thing. Oh, fingers crossed. I hope they did the right thing. We don't know that they did the right thing. I hope that's what it is. I have a suspicion they might have because Lewis... desperately hope that's what it is. Here's the thing. Flora says earlier on in this chapter that they're in the dark about a lot. Beth asks, are they monsters? And Lewis kind of suggests they aren't. They're just paid very well not to look into it. And I'm curious if Beth's snooping. And all of this Suddenly skulking they've been around asked to do weird things and them being asked to do weird things has made them finally go, I think we're in trouble. Like, are we, are we the bad guys? Are we the baddies? They and, and they realized, like, whatever Lewis is actually up to, it's probably illegal and we're accomplices to it. And so we need to take these kids and get out of here. So either they're taking the kids and beating feet while Flora's not around because Flora was taken back to Florida abruptly. Yep. And so the kids are alone with them, and so it's an opportunity to just grab the kids and run. Yep. Or they're legitimately like, we need to take the kids and we need to go to the police and, like, square everything off. Or the third option, they're kidnapping the kids in order to extort more money <laughs> from more Lewis. more money from yeah. Lewis? Which uh, is also an option. It, it's possible. Whatever's happening, though, Lewis and Flora are not in the loop. <laughs> Nope, neither of them. Lewis in particular, it's legitimately is just like WTF. What are you talking about? That is when dumbstruck, gun forgotten for a moment, Flora basically tackles him from behind. Yes. The gun is knocked out of his hand and skitters across the floor. Beth scoops it up and holds him at gunpoint and then screams at the top of her lungs, Lewis, please don't kill me. And Lewis is confused for a second and then realizes she's saying that for the benefit of the evidence that's being recorded on his cell phone. Yep. And then she fires the gun. We do not know if she fires into Lewis or at Lewis or beside Lewis or into the air. Yes. All we're left with is she fires the gun. Yeah. And that is the end of chapter 26. Yes. So it's not spoilery. I looked at chapter 27. I didn't read any words. But it's only like four pages long. Yeah, it's a little bit of falling action, presumably, before we get into the epilogue, which yeah. is the, the final then, chapter. And then the after, after that is the epilogue, which is also only, I think, like four, five, six pages long. So we have not a lot of pages. Yeah, we're, we're coming I up on the But we're going to come up on a lot of story. Well, there's going to be a little bit of explanation, I presume, for what's going on with Kevin and Yanina. 
We'll get a little bit of the fallout dealing with probably some of the unanswered questions of what's going on. But yeah, let's um let's pop on over to the conspiracy corner. Oh, very good. I've stumbled onto a major company conspiracy pack. How about that for stress? What the hell are you talking about? This company is being bled like a stuck pig, Mac, and I got a paper trail to prove it. Check this out. Take a look at this. This is probably the last time we're going to be here this book because I think the conspiracy has been laid out. But I just wanted to take a moment to say by the end of the book, we got a lot of it correct, actually. Yeah? We kind of figured out what exactly was going on with Lewis. We'd pegged him. I mean, it took us a long time into the book to peg him as the bad guy. See, and I think we sort of flip-flopped back and forth between Lewis being the bad guy and Flora being the bad guy. And it's not because I didn't want to believe Flora. Um, I want to state that clear. It's because I was always expecting there to be... A twist. A twist. Like there was going to be some narrative reversal. And Lewis, who had been set up almost from chapter one as the obvious villain, was not going to be the obvious villain. But as I said a couple chapters ago, sometimes the obvious villain is the villain. It's <laughs> so true. Sauron is the bad guy. Yeah. Like... <laughs> No surprise. Oh, and I admit, like, Lewis had me duped in the office when he was chatting with Beth. Yeah. And I think that was deliberate by Sophie Hamm. Yeah. I, uh, not to put words in her mouth. We don't know. But I think that she wanted us to have a little bit of doubt on whether or not Lewis was legitimately behind everything on a couple occasions. And I think she did that well enough that, yeah, up until a couple chapters ago, we were still wondering, maybe, maybe still Flora is actually the one who is the bad guy. Yeah. But I think we're so far along now. <laughs> I don't think there's another twist coming at the very end. No, I mean, Lewis just not, pretty much laid everything out. Not a Lewis and Flora twist. Really, deep down, I, I, I want to believe that Beth is, like, wearing a wire. Or has police officers outside or something. Well, no, she's not. And I know. also, she doesn't need to be wearing a wire because Lewis foolheartedly recorded the whole thing. Yeah, but it's on his phone. Yeah. Not Beth's phone. Which, if anything, makes it even more incriminating. Well, it depends if they find... If the police raid his house and find a whole bunch of recordings of him verbally torturing his wife. I mean, they're going to. Lord knows what else he's recorded. Yeah, I'm, they're they're going to. The only real twist at this juncture was the reveal that Kevin and Yanina may have gone rogue on Lewis's plans. I hope so. I mean, they clearly did, no matter what. We just don't know why or how. Oh, I hope it was for all the right reasons. That would be not a terrible thing. If right? it turned out that Kevin and Yanina weren't total monsters, and when they realized something definitely was up, went... Maybe we should do something. After these last couple chapters, I really need this book to have a happy ending. <laughs> well, I, it might be more of a bittersweet ending <sighs> at this juncture, but we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, so we we got we got to Lewis as the bad guy. We kind of figured out what his motivation was within the last couple chapters. That it was that he was upset that Flora had ruined his perfect family. He's just a broken, broken human being. We'd kind of figured out what the Thomas and Emily 2.0 were a little bit. We'd hit upon the idea that they were Flora being forced to do it right this time. And we were not far off the mark there. No. We also weren't far off the mark with Kevin and Yanina. I had been saying for many chapters, they're just being paid by Lewis to keep Flora mm -hmm. under their thumb. We were wrong about necessarily how complicit they were. Yes. Because I was fairly sure that they must be thick as thieves with Lewis, but... 
Doesn't seem that way. Does not seem that way, certainly at this juncture. So, But overall, I think we, we wove together a lot of the plot threads as we were going. It just took us pretty far into the book to do it. Yeah. I have a question. Sure. So Beth gets a hold of the gun. Mm -hmm. She screams at Lewis not to shoot her, mm -hmm. and then she fires the gun. Mm -hmm. The physical evidence is not going to match the audio record. Yeah, because she fired the gun. Yeah. If the recording sounds like Lewis shot her, how are, how is she going to explain the fact that she shot Lewis? Well, if that's what she did. She and Flora just tell the police that Lewis went to shoot her. Flora jumped on him from behind. They wrestled the gun from him and Beth shot him back in self-defense. I mean, it's two to one and Lewis might be dead. So who's going to dispute yeah. it? Again, look, you watch a lot of forensics files. You know how they're going to break it down and match it up and recreate the scuffle if they have a recording of it. But they do have a recording of Lewis confessing to all these terrible things and yes, and stating outright he intends to kill Beth. Yes. So, I mean, that goes a long way towards just wrapping things up. Oh, it does. Here's something I just thought of. You were talking about happy endings. Uh, Lewis never divorced Flora. Nope. So if Lewis dies, she gets everything. Yep. That's nice. Yeah. That's I... at least, that's at least, it certainly doesn't compensate for the last 12 years of horrific deranged torture, torture. yeah disproportionate revenge Ray Wenge. Uh, or the loss of a child but it's something it's something it's something and it's certainly something that lewis probably would be just absolutely mortified to have lost even posthumously uh, yes he would have hated this. Yeah. Let's and, do it. And also that means that the OG Thomas and Emily's are going to learn that their father was a monster. Because there's no way they're not going to. That's going to be rough. Yeah. There is no way they're not going to learn That's the truth. That's going to be rough. Like, even if Flora doesn't tell them what's going on, they're going to find out at this juncture. See, and this is, again, where I have to remind myself that this is a fictional story and these are made up people and this cruelty does not actually exist. This particular cruelty does not actually exist. There is no Lewis Braid who has not tortured his wife and murdered his baby and lied to his children. And that is how I am going to get through this. Well, I think we've gotten through the worst of it because <laughs> that seems to have been the climax. Yes, this feels, this feels like a, a mighty peak <laughs> of, of a story arc here. Indeed. So uh, we'll get into... Probably a few final answers and a little bit of falling action next chapter. It's going to be a short read. You shouldn't need to yep. take too long to read it in time for next week. And who knows? We might talk about it for an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, we might. Depends on what's in there. Yeah. While you're checking that out, you know, if you ever come into a small fortune by whatever means, uh, rather than uh, spending it on an elaborate and disproportionate revenge plan against someone who <laughs> slighted you, uh, especially a, a loved one who slighted you, you could instead do something constructive with it, such as investing it back into your community. The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. And then you can learn more about how those endowments are going out with The Well-Endowed Podcast. You can subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com.
can also learn more about the Edmonton Community Foundation itself at ecfoundation.org. So, so many web places to visit. Yeah, while you're checking out those web places, you might also check out another one, the Alberta Podcast Network. It's albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can find uh, a lot of podcasts there. Indeed. You may have heard us mention it before. We bring it up from time to time. I mean, we are legally required to bring it up from time to time. <laughs> it's true. You can uh, subscribe to any of those podcasts, including this one, on your podcatcher of choice while you're there. Uh, maybe float us a little rating and review. We would appreciate that. We sure would. Helps us out. Uh, if you want to just reach out to us directly, by all means, we are on the internet. <laughs> Wait, it's true. We have the uh, collection of social media that we check. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We're bookish that way. Yeah, we're at the read-along, wherever there is an at. Yep. Uh, we also have an email address if you just want to tippity-typity way more. That one's a slightly reversed at because it is the read-along at gmail.com. There's still an at. Don't worry. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Fingers crossed for happy endings. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 